Hi, I'm Clement Liu. Welcome to the second season of Just Sustainability. In this episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to an old friend and regular accomplice in sustainability and equity shenanigans, Erica Bailey Johnson. I first met Erica nearly a decade ago, and my first and continuing impression of her is that she's a force of nature that brings at least a little bit of improved equity and sustainability wherever she goes. Erica is the sustainability director at Bemidji State University, a member of Fresh Energy's board of directors, and a member of the City of Bemidji's sustainability committee. Here's how she introduced herself when I recorded her for the podcast back in early spring in 2020. Thank you for taking some time out of your afternoon to talk to me about sustainability and equity. I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself. Like, who is Erica Bailey Johnson in the the, the words of Erica Bailey Johnson? <laughs> Thanks so much for asking me, Clement. I really appreciate uh, being a part of this. And it sounds like such a cool project and happy to share what I'm thinking about. So my name is Erica Bailey Johnson. I'm going to actually introduce myself to you in um, my Ojibwe way, because especially with like a um, audience like this, I feel like that's important just to know that that's a part of me and helps you understand a little bit more where I'm coming from. So uh, Erica Bailey Johnson, Indigenous Cause, Anishinaabe, or it's not my Anishinaabe um, name, but it's my given English name. And then Mamengwe, uh, Indigenous Cause, Ojibwe Mung. So that's my Ojibwe name is Butterfly Woman. And my clan is Bear. So I would say Makwa Indodem. And then I usually say Bemidji Gamog in Donjaba because I live in Bemidji. That's what that means. I live up in northern Minnesota. And then I also usually say uh, Bemidji Gamog, Gabe, Gikindaso, Wigamig, Nindanoki, Ganawenda, Kamiga, Wigamigong. And that basically means um, that I work at Bemidji State University and I'm in the Office of Earth Caretaking, is kind of the literal translation. But I am in the sustainability office. I've been the sustainability director at BSU for 12 years, 13 years, since 2008. So I've been in in the office since then. I wear quite a few different hats now that will probably come up as we're (laughs) talking. But that's been my main role. And then I also am a mother of two beautiful boys. I have a 16-year-old who just had a soccer game last night at St. Cloud Apollo. And I have a 13-year-old boy who loves fishing. So, um, yeah, I play lots of roles and really passionate about connecting people to the earth and really passionate about uh, equity and justice issues. So happy to, to talk with you. After Erica introduced herself, I asked her about how she defines sustainability. I asked this question because she has a really comprehensive way of thinking about sustainability that's informed by Ojibwe and Anishinaabe worldviews. And how she defines sustainability has really informed the way that I approach my work. Here's what she had to say. So I want to ask you a little bit about how you think sustainability, because I think you have a, a really interesting sort of very comprehensive way of thinking about sustainability. Yeah. So when we started doing our sustainability work early on in 2008, uh, I had a few students in the office and we actually, we kind of came to this conclusion really early on that we weren't 
able to do some of the work that we wanted because people didn't see us like really fitting in that space. And, uh, you know, like the traditional recycling work, like we could do that. We could do light bulb stuff. Like a lot of facilities work seemed fine, but a lot of these other things, like we really were at the time wanting to be involved in some like theater related things, some more art humanities related things, some um, equity work. And so we came together and we started thinking about, well, what does that mean? Like, what is this work? What are we talking about? And then the other thing that I, that I noticed when I was talking to these sustainability directors really early on in their careers, when I, I think we got together at some conference, uh, regional conference, and everybody was so burnt out and exhausted and overworked. And I just was kind of looking around the circle. I'm like, this isn't good, you know, like we need to be taking care of ourselves too. Like we have really important roles that we all need to be doing in our lives and on our campuses. And so I thought I was thinking of all these things, you know, about the work that we're doing on campus, about individually, like taking care of ourselves. And in our office, we came up with this unique model, um, really similar to one you would find if you were just to Google image search sustainability. So typically, if you go to Google image and you search up sustainability, you'll get that like triple um, Venn diagram that has social economy and environment. It's like these over overlapping concentric circles. So they're they're the they're the pieces of sustainability you try to aim for the middle, you know, thinking about all those. And some people, you know, there's also like triple bottom line, there's also people, planet, profit. You'll see a lot of these like three-legged stool kind of models. And so we took that, but we realized there was these parts missing. And so we ultimately took um all of the pieces, so we took social, we took economic, because, I mean, that's really important. We need to be thinking about how we get along with each other. That's the social piece. And then the economic piece, like how do we uh, make sure we're not like crashing our economic systems or our ways of trading goods and services. And so we added one to that, though. We added a piece that we call wellness. And so that wellness piece um, to us means it, well, it can it can open up a whole range of meanings depending upon whether you're talking about an individual, whether you're talking about an organization, whether you're talking about your community. Um, and there's lots of ways that people define wellness, but ultimately it means sort of like our individual, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical well-being. And so we added this wellness piece to start to look at sustainability issues in this like wellness lens like what does it ultimately mean for me as an individual like how am I impacted by this decision and so in our office what that looks like is it means that we um like we have stand-up desks you know so we have stand-up desks for students knowing that like sitting all day like isn't healthy we talk a lot in our office staff meetings about um, student wellness, like how are they doing with their classes? How is their stress anxiety levels? Like, are they finding ways to find good, you know, get good physical activity? Um, are they getting enough sleep? You know, are they uh, eating good foods? So all of those kinds of things fit into this wellness piece for the sustainability model. And it's really important to consider uh, moving forward, I know one of the issues right away that that we were 
part of and debating. And it was whether or not to get a 24-hour computer over in the residence halls. And it was really awesome because the students right away, they were like, well, yeah, it sounds great because you're reducing a lot of stress from students having to try to find a computer fitted into their schedule. You know, I mean, this was about like 10 years ago, this conversation is a little different now with technology. But back then, it was oftentimes hard for students to figure out how to finish projects and print things out. And so we knew that it was going to be helping a lot of people with anxiety and stress levels. But then a lot of people thought we weren't going to be supportive because we wouldn't be supportive of the extra energy consumption, right? That a 24-hour computer would take. But it's considering all of those in your decision-making. And then the the last piece that I'll just um, touch on is we took the environment piece and we made it all-encompassing. So the environment is this big circle that all the other circles of wellness, social, and economy fit into. And so the environment being the foundation of everything, like we cannot survive on this planet (laughs) without all of the things around us, the air, the water, the soil that grows our food. So all of this, the earth, like mother earth is ultimately the basic like ingredient for, for everything that we do and everything like our quality of life, um, you know, our economy, all of it. And so I, I usually talk a little bit about where that comes from for me personally. And that's why I introduced myself in that way is for me personally, that also stems from our creation story, which in a basic, like really like short little nutshell (laughs) is um, the earth, the creator made the sun and the wind and the stars and the sky and the earth. And then it was the plant beings. The plant beings were created next. And then it was the two-legged, the four-legged, the swimmers, the flyers, um, not the human two-legged, but other two-legged. And they needed the plant beings, but the plant beings didn't need them. And then ultimately the last in the order was the, was the human two-legged. And the humans ultimately needed everything else that was created ahead of them. And nothing really needed the humans for survival. And so it's just, it puts it in perspective how important the environment is when we consider our actions and issues and our responsibility um, for, for how we move forward with sustainability. So I guess like that, that's kind of our difference. We added that wellness piece. We have the environment is all encompassing and part of the consideration in everything that we do. And then we shoot right in the middle of that Venn diagram. So we're trying to consider all of that with all of our, all of our actions. So one of the things that you, you talked about, I want to ask a little bit more about, because uh, I think, right, one thing that's really unique about the way you're thinking about it is adding that wellness piece to uh, sustainability. But uh it's clear to me that you're also really thinking about sort of indigenous worldviews and indigenous perspectives and just sort of like indigenous life ways and how that integrates into sustainability and wellness and all of the, right. All of the things within that Venn diagram. So would you say a little bit more about that? Cause you talked a little bit about the, uh, the creation story, but um, say a little bit more about like how you've integrated 
right? Indigenous like worldviews and like practices into the sustainability practices that you have at the Bemidji State. Yeah. So with the indigenous, um, the indigenous kind of ways that we in- integrate, it, you know, it stems from the model, obviously, and kind of like as the we all understand that the earth is our mother, and that, um, and this is native, non-native people that come into the space. Like right now, one of the students that I work with is from Ecuador. And we all talk about it. So we all understand kind of the foundation of our work. And some of the ways that that shows up are if you look at our office space, uh, you'll see things on our like door to our office that one of them is an Ojibwe language um, poster and it has words of encouragement. And that came from our American Indian Resource Center so we have that hanging up on our door. Um, we'll have a lot of like different events from our indigenous communities posted on our uh, door and different flyers. So we always advertise that. Even in this last week, school just started. And one of the things that we do in our office is we actually give away reusable items for usually all new students. But this year we're doing all on-campus students. And uh, as part of that Last week, we also advertised all of the events for the American Indian Resource Center. So every day they had they had different food available. And so we would tell students about the items that they could pick from. We'd tell them about our free store. And we'd also tell them about the American Indian Resource Center events that were going on to make sure. So we try to get them to go there, you know, to go there and experience that really beautiful space and get a free meal and that kind of thing. Also in our space, you'll see the language. So a lot of times, um, like even our office door label is in English and in Ojibwe. And then when you step in, you'll see that we use the word gitigan is what we all use to describe our campus garden. So gitigan is is the Ojibwe word for garden. And that's just what we call it. So a lot of times students, and I even find my kids are kind of this way too, like we just use Ojibwe words um, as the norm. And that really helps like kind of integrate, integrate that, that into our work. Um, yeah. And then I guess we have plants all over in our space too. <laughs> I don't know why this kind of comes up, but I think that's also another way of just like we honor honor them and take care of them. And um, yeah, that's just another piece of how that shows up in our space. So I would say like using the language um, and also just connecting with what's going on outside of the campus or outside of our office, not only in the community, but also like in the American Indian Resource Center and making those connections and building those relationships has been a really important part of how we operate. So we not only like have our own events, but we really try to support and attend the events of other um, offices across campus. So, and especially, you know, the diversity work, like our Black Student Union, um, and then a lot of our Indigenous students, our Council of Indian Students events. I know we've helped with their powwows for quite a few years now. Uh, so just that's some of the examples of how that shows up in our space. After learning about how Erica thinks about sustainability, 
I had a bit of a tangential question about the free store at Bemidji State. For those of you who haven't been to Bemidji State University's campus, there's a really large and unusually well-stocked free store on the campus that provides students with access to a broad range of products. Here's that conversation. You mentioned that you had a, a free store. So I remember last time I visited, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, wow, this is a really kind of a comprehensive, like kind of a big free store. Because in some sense, it's a, like it's a traditionally sort of sustainability thing in terms of reusing and like upgrading or what's the word? Upcycling, uh, right? Stuff that someone's trying to get rid of. But it's also like, a, like an interesting like equity thing, right? An access thing, mm-hmm. like helping people like, you know, like all the data nowadays is suggesting uh, college students are increasingly like food insecure. They're less financially secure than in the past. And those things affect how well students perform and like the access that they have to college. So it's really cool that you're doing that. Um, maybe uh, end up say a little bit more about the, the free store and like sort of how it ties into your broader mission. Yeah, man, the free store is so much fun. It's so crazy. And I remember one, um, staff member came in one year when we had collected all this stuff and had it everywhere on the floor. And he's like, this place looks like a dump. (laughs) So it can look a little messy too at times. Uh, Sometimes it's a lot to maintain, but uh, it's been awesome. We've had, I think the free store, I want to say we started in like 2010 and it was from a student idea, like so many of our awesome projects here. And this student, uh, Crystal was her name, is her name. She had read an article and I think it was a UC, like a California school. And he was going around on, it was a student who was going around on a bike and he was collecting like office supplies. So he's collecting office supplies. He had this bike trailer, he put them on his bike trailer and then he found space on the campus that was underutilized, like a room somewhere. And he would put this stuff in the room and then on certain days or certain hours of the day, he would have it open for, it'd be open for students to take these office supplies. So she thought, wow, that's cool. I wonder if we can do something. And we had this big space and we had kind of one area that wasn't um, heavily used. And so she converted that into this free store idea. And then what was really kind of neat about it is we already had a program called Donate Don't Dumpster that was used at the end of every semester to collect uh, like things that were still usable but not wanted by students. So we had these bins and all the residence halls, we'd collect them and then usually we'd bring them somewhere, you know, like bring them to Goodwill or bring them like we had a place in the food shelf where we'd bring this stuff some for a few years too. But then now we had our own space. So it was kind of, kind of a neat way to take uh, these un, these usable items from students and then go sort through it, clean them up if needed. And then we'd bring them into this free store. And so students ultimately are able to come in anytime we're open, uh, which is usually, you know, Monday through Friday, usually nine to five, and they can come in and then they can just take whatever they want over the, over the course of the last 10 years, we we have quite a bit of clothing and shoes, which we have to sort through every once in a while. We also have a lot of household um, supplies, like we have a lot of silverware and some um, dishes and some like Tupperware kind of things and frying pans. And then we also have uh, the, the school supplies. So we have a lot of pens, pencils, notebooks, binders, folders, 
both kinds of things as well. So those are kind of the three main categories. And then we get the like odd, um, you know, Halloween <laughs> or like Christmas decoration kind of stuff too that we'll pull out when it's time, when it's the season. So we have those things and we just, we kind of have students that will like to help maintain it and keep things looking nice and organized in there. And then the only thing that we ask of students that come and take something is that they just write down on this sheet what, like the date and then what is it, what it is that they took. And then we try to kind of keep an inventory, um, a running inventory of that list so that we have an idea of like students have taken 10,000 binders, you know, out of the free store, like that kind of thing. So it's been a really, really cool project, really a great way to help out. I know some, I had a couple students stop me last year in the hallway and they just said they didn't really think that school was going to work for them financially uh, without the free store. So there was just some real advantages for students financially that help them, you know, help them out in that way. And then the one other quick thing I'll mention is we have one other program in the free store that was a faculty that created it and it's called Suit Yourself. And she created it with the intention of helping students out with professional clothes. Cause you know, most of the time when you need professional clothes for an interview or you're going to be on TV or whatever that might be, they're really expensive. And so she thought, why not get donations of people in the community that have these really nice suits that don't really go out of style. Although we did get some corduroy um, suits that had like leather patches on their elbows and stuff, but they were, they were really cool. But we have uh, all these suits, all these women's professional, so women's and men's professional clothes that come in. And when that faculty member retired, and didn't know what to do with that program, we ultimately said it'll be a great fit with the free store. So we have the free store. We also have the suit yourself program of the professional clothes where students can come in, find a suit, uh, and then they can either keep it or they can bring it back. Like it doesn't matter either way for free. So it's been a huge, I think, uh, benefit to lots of students. We get pretty much constant flow of traffic in the space. Um, right now it's a little different, obviously with this environment that we're in, but it's been a really rewarding, um, program. Um, what have you been finding that students need the most, right? Cause if you've, you've been taking inventories, what are sort of the things that, uh, right. Have students have been most apt to uh, pick up when they're visiting the free store? <laughs> such a good question sometimes i'm like what is this thing or like who's gonna take this and then all of a sudden somebody runs out with that like weird thing um but it's i would say you know binders have probably been like those so school supplies the binders the folders the notebooks the pens and pencils uh those i think have been probably one of the highest quantity of items that have left here lots of clothes have gone out um and then lots of like and we don't get a lot but like the pots and pans are really popular we'll get small appliances like mini fridges and microwaves and toasters and those are like they come in and they go out like the next day uh so those i think and then we also have a bulletin board it's not heavily used. I wish it was like a little more used, but we do have a bulletin board where if people have a couch or a, I don't know, like futon or something that they 
want to get rid of, um, they can post it on the bulletin board if it's too big to come into the free store. So that's another, like another way that that space can be used. We've reached a good place to end this episode. As a quick review, so far we've learned about who Erica Bailey Johnson is, how she finds sustainability, and learned about the free store at Bemidji State University. Next episode, we'll return to my conversation with Erica and start off by learning about some programming at Bemidji that's informed by Indigenous Lifeways and is intended to provide students with opportunities to improve their life skills. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening.